Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. As Martha and I go on air each and every day, we talk about, we, we really just try to bring that challenge to each one of us, not just to you, but to me too, on how we connect our faith to what we do nine to five. And really, how do we live a whole life of of really discipleship. How do we connect our faith to everything we do day by day? And how do we engage people in conversations? Do we lead out with, how do we lead out? How do we start it? What do we do? And, and that's really what the I Work For Him Nation pledge is all about. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I am Jim Brangenberg. I'm joined, of course, by my incredible wife, Martha. The I Work For Him Nation challenge is all about getting us in the right mode to make an impact every day when we go to work. Praying for our coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Look for ways to serve them and befriend them so that we get opportunities to pray with them when they're having rough days. But all along, we're setting the example. We are people of excellence in our positions. You know, we all want to be followers of Jesus. We all want to do what he did. And he was an expert at conversation. He was an expert at question asking, at question answering with more questions but how do what are how do we gain that art? What do we do? We brought on the show today. Martha and I bring on today Jeff and Pam Klein from Walked Away and Q Place. Jeff and Pam, welcome to I Work for Him. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here with you guys. Yeah, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Martha. You bet. Welcome. We're just excited to have you guys on. And before we get into the depth of what's Q Place all about, what's Walked Away all about, I really want to hear how the Lord is making an impact in your life. You guys have been side-by-side in ministry for years. How have you seen the Lord bless your marriage relationship as you serve together? Ladies first, Pam. Well, thanks. You know, we have a lot of people comment that, they're really surprised that we've been able to do that. And I don't know, I think it's just been a testimony of the Lord's grace. It hasn't always been easy. We don't always obviously see eye to eye on a lot of things, but the things that we, that Jeff and I do share and that we do see eye to eye have resulted in, in a lot of good things, like our, our church that we uh, planted, what, nine, ten years ago now, and the radio ministry. So, uh, we're on the same page, and the principles we share are are really much the same. So it's been good. It's been good. Jeff, your, pers- your perspective on that, Jeff. How, how yeah, have well, you seen the Lord bless your marriage by as you guys serve together? Well, 30 years. We've been doing this marriage thing, 30 years, and the whole time we've been in ministry in some way. And I think one of the ways the Lord has really blessed us in our partnership is the 
complimentary gifts he's given us. And, you know, my wife is, she won't say this, but she's a screen actor, skilled actress. And she's a uh, professional voice talent, and she's a woman of many talents. You know how us guys usually marry up, you know? So, so uh, a lot of yes, things we do. I do, um, yeah, I come along, I, you know, she comes alongside me so many ways to, to make my work better. We really are able to stretch each other because of the different gifts that we have. And so that's become a really uh, rich partnership, I think, in so many ways. And it's so neat when you get to actually serve alongside your spouse and, and to see that impact. I tell people that, listen, Martha's and my marriage, our marriage together is so much stronger because of the opportunities to serve together. You're going to hear lots more from Jeff and Pam Klein as Martha and I talk to them about Q Place. How do we how do we engage people in spiritual conversations? What are, what are the arts? I really want to hear, what are the nine arts of spiritual conversation? And how do we use those to engage people in conversations about Christ? How do we gain that privilege? What does that look like? And we're going to delve into that today during the, the I Work Rim show. Martha, question goes to you. So, Pam, as Jeff was saying, he was pointing out some of the things that you do and you have in your uh, <laughs> list um, that you are an actress and a writer and a community activist. And you also are a director of an international women's small business empowerment organization. So it sounds like you have a lot of things that on your plate. How do you balance all of those priorities in your life <laughs> as well as the priorities in your home? Wow, you know, it's a loaded question, and sometimes I feel like that there are way too many plates spinning, but mm. I'm just pleased and grateful for the opportunities that God's really honored how he made me. I'm, I'm flexible by nature, and I'm adaptable by nature, and I don't, I don't know, I just wouldn't fit into a nine-by-five world, so he's just really afforded me lots of opportunities, and when I look back, I'm really, really grateful. Um, balance is hard, though, right? And I'm, I look for the things that I, I believe that God does call me into and wants me to participate in. And, and that list, I don't know where you got it from, but it, it does make me sound kind of crazy. But, um, <laughs> you know, but really and truly, I, I, I feel like as things come along and as I discern if, if the Lord would like me to step into those things, I'm just willing to go. I appreciate my life in the acting and commercial world because of the people that it puts me in touch with. You know, when I've dabbled in that, then that's led to a couple of different writing projects. And, you know, community activists, I don't know, it's just that we open up our home and we, we live in an area where there's a lot of refugees. And I've had the opportunity with Jeff and our kids to travel back and forth to Honduras where we've been privileged to be partnering with this, um, a home for children without parents down there. And just as those opportunities come and as the doors open, I feel like, um, again, thanks be to God for the way he's wired me. We've been able to step forward. I've been able to step forward in being available and, and being flexible. And as for Hazel and Dean, man, I'd love for every woman out there, every man who's doing some Christmas shopping to check that out, hazelanddean.com, a great empowerment enterprise for um, for women to shop for beautiful things sourced from artisans all over the world to keep them working. So, mm. yeah, I've had some great opportunities, and balance is hard, but I do continue to try to discern where God wants me, because I know with every yes, um, there has to be a no, and I confess that probably sometimes I don't say no enough. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that's something we all really struggle with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, um, but what you hit on the key there, you know, asking and seeking and knowing that it's where God wants you to go forward, and that's a huge importance. Well, yeah, and every time I've tried to 
stop and thought, you know, man, get it together, Pam. Streamline your life. Do something different. I've I've tried to <laughs> do something more normal, and I really feel like God protects me. And He says, no, this. And Jeff reminds me of that all the time. You know, mm-hmm. hon, that's just not how you're wired. God is, He's allowing you to do this. So, so take comfort, rest, and and just go. So that's kind of my mantra. <laughs> that, that that wiring thing is definitely something. If somebody told me, yeah, Jim, you just need to go work an eight to five job. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I've never, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I have I have never had an eight to five job. Not since the day I got out of college. Not one. Never. Couldn't do it. I wouldn't even know how to punch a clock. It would, it, yeah. it, it would go against my grade. It would grain and my skin. It would be unbelievable. Jeff, I, I gotta be honest. With you, the way I heard about you, it wasn't. It wasn't that I was chasing after walked away, but I, I had heard this story about this Jericho church about this pastor who had stepped down from senior pastoring from controlling his whole church to setting aside setting up a team to to run the church so that he could be involved in some other ministries and not be the only guy. And when I heard that, I'm thinking. No way did that happen. No, that's got to be a lie. Because I've never, I mean, that's, that takes an amazing amount of humility, and it takes an amazing amount of foresight to realize that the church can do exponentially more if there wasn't just one person standing at the pulpit all the time. How in exactly. the world did the Lord lead you to do that? Well, Jericho Road Church, we planted 10 years ago. We wanted to do something that was unique and different. We wanted to be a church that really empowered um, the, the folks who came there to be part of the work of God in the world. And so we did some intentional things, like we we took every second Sunday, and we instead of having a worship gathering, we actually offered ourselves as living sacrifices. That would be our spiritual act of worship. So we went out and served the community every second Sunday of the month, and we didn't gather for a, a regular—we didn't hear a sermon. We went out and gave the sermon with our lives. So there's a lot of these intentional things we did along the way, but as we had paid pastors— Whenever you have paid pastors and whenever you have uh, people that are on staff full-time, immediately what happens is everybody starts to defer to them. Right. And, uh, and we realized pretty quickly that this community that we wanted to be kind of have ownership and all the ministry and really take ownership and live this out every day. We have a hard time doing that as long as there was paid pastors. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever wondered, how do I start quality conversations, spiritual conversations? How do I lead my relationships that I have right now down the road to be able to engage in people? I'm really telling them, hey, here's how Jesus has made an impact in my life. How do I engage people in my community? How do I engage people that I work with? That's what I work for him is all about, starting these conversations, but deserving the ability to start those conversations because of the relationships that we have. Jeff, I kind of interrupted you as you as you were telling your neat story about how you stepped down from being the only leader, paid pastor in your church, and, and, and turning it over to my, more of a group lead. Keep going with that conversation. Yeah, yeah so I started I started a Q place, which is actually a speech conversation in my neighborhood, because uh, as we served all these people, we realized that we needed to um, find a way to engage them with the gospel. We didn't know how to do it. And stumbled upon a cute place, started a cute place in my living room. It was the most amazing experience I'd ever had with evangelism in my life. I had eight guys from my neighborhood engage in spiritual conversations for the period of two and a half years. One of them came a believer in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so after doing that, cute place came and called call to me and saying, hey, we need some help in getting this message out to the church. And so I took a position with cute place, and we let the church just kind of become a lay-led community of people. And so um, it was a big shift for the church. People had to adjust to the idea, but actually it's created way more ownership in the church than ever before. And now everyone knows that if the church is going to make it, the church is going to be the church, 
they all have to have a part in making it uh, making it happen. So it's really it's, it's actually exciting. I think it's kind of where church might be going in the next twenty years. Oh, I agree. that's another whole topic. Oh no, it's not. It's not a whole topic. Last Friday, yeah. I had Larry Peabody from Baki Graduate University. He just wrote a book, "Curing Sunday Spectatoritis." And, there you go. And, and it rides right along with your testimony, what you've done in your church. We have got to be the body of Christ, running the church. Be, I mean, allowing people to share all of what they're experiencing, God, with each other. It's no longer a spectator world. It, because of exactly. all the spectatoritis, we yep. have lost the culture battle. we got to re-engage the culture and take it back. But we got to do yeah. that. we got to do exactly. that by no longer being spectators. So before, before Jericho Road, I was a pastor in a church of 5,000. I was a teaching pastor in that church, and I was like a sermon vending machine, kicking out five sermons a week, Wednesday night, Saturday night, three on Sunday morning. And then we planted Jericho Road, and then we said, man, this isn't radical enough. Let's go a little further. So we kept, kept moving toward this lay-like community. So... So we've really kind of made some major shifts in how church works, but we've definitely created a church where there's not consumers and spectators, the people that are actually engaged in the mission of God. Well, and Pam, I want to just ask you this question. Okay, so you've watched your husband, yeah. and, and as men, we love to be in control, and we like things to be predictable, and we don't like to give up. We don't like to give up anything of control. <laughs> how did Jeff stepping aside of being the main pastor and, and turning it over to be led by all of those um, non-paid Christians in the in the church. How did that affect your right. marriage? How did that? How what, how those conversations go? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do think Jeff would be honest in sharing that it wasn't it wasn't always easy, and probably you know we still it's still our church, so we're Jeff's still actively involved with leadership as am, as am I, and I think Jeff would be honest in saying, yeah, it's not always easy, right? Because whenever you allow other people, they might not do it the way you do it, or they might not, they might make some mistakes in learning along the way, or the hard one, maybe we learn, maybe we learn something along the way, and and you realize, wow. So I think Jeff would be really honest in admitting that this has been a, a very good thing for the church and a, and a very good thing for him as it's and as it's broadened his world. And yeah, we've got owners in the church now. They know that um, without their involvement and their taking ministry seriously, it's it's not going to happen. And we also are content now with being a lot smaller. And I think Jeff, coming from the big mega church background, that was hard because we're so used to the idea that successful church means a lot of people are sitting out there. Ooh. But people know when they come to Jericho Road. And they don't just sit there. And it's not about just sitting there. I mean, we can go around the room on any given Sunday and talk about who's involved in Uganda and who's involved in, you know, not just in other places like India or around the world, but who's heavily involved with their neighbors who happen to be refugees. And, I mean, one by one by one, we have people who are coming to get filled and refueled and encourage one another as a body of believers, but they are out doing ministry. And... We're thrilled about that, and we want to empower them to do that, because that's what it's all about. And it's not for everybody, and and the numbers don't grow. People are used to coming to Hyde, and they are used to coming to, mm-hmm. and, and perhaps not Hyde, I, I don't mean to sound harsh, but it's, you know, all of our worship spaces are designed to allow us to sit back and be comfortable and watch the performance, so many of them are at least, and, you know, that's not what goes on at Jericho Road, so it's not for everybody, because it's pretty obvious. You step in and and you're going to be stepping out. I know one of the things that we talk with a lot of people about, and it sounds like this is the way at Jericho Road, is that it's a pretty authentic environment. 
And yeah. um, it's and I it sounds like your process you probably were had to be pretty transparent so people really understood where the church was going. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Jeff's really up on that, right, hon? Well, we had a. It's funny. There was uh, there was a prof- uh, there was a friend of mine who was a theater professor, and he basically said to me, "Quiet, I think church should be more like the theater." I'm like, "Right, that's heresy." Mm. You know, like, what are you talking about? And he said, "Well, when I do a, th- a play, I'm the director, and I'm heavily involved in the picking up the parts, the picking of the costumes, the picking of the actors. You know, rehearsal process, telling him how to move on the stage, helping him shape the story. When the play starts." I leave the stage, disappear into the sound booth. No one knows who I am, and the actors take ownership of the play. He said, in church, it's like you're on stage, you're rehearsing, you're doing all the parts, you're doing all the stuff, you're wearing all the costumes, and, and we're in the audience clapping and cheering you on. It seems to be more like theater where you get us ready, we take ownership of the play, and then you go in the booth and watch us and just come down and give us notes on how we're doing. Wow. Well, that's pretty good. That pretty is good. good. Yeah, and we get, we get really excited about every Sunday morning. I mean, we, we meet in a circle. And you never know who's just going to be able to begin talking from, from their seats. We don't even have people necessarily walk up or walk to a microphone. They just, from their seats, will begin to, to read Scripture or begin to lead in prayer. And I'm actually coordinating some of that behind the scenes, because one thing that Jeff was advised greatly about before stepping down was, you know, when you do have a lot of loose parts, what you do need is kind of like a wheel. You need, you need that cog in the middle. And this is the connection with maybe just being a traditional pastor's wife. You know, sometimes we fill in behind the scenes for our husband anyway, yes. doing things that people don't even realize that he's kind of doing. Right. So that was rather easy for me to step into and just say, yeah, I can kind of keep doing that from Neat. behind. And, just, so you know, and I'm a terrible and... coordinator anyway. I'm a terrible coordinator. <laughs> if I coordinate anything, we got real problems. So we, so we use the skills that God's given us when we can. So and tell... we want to know, we're just, just so you know, we want to figure out how we can plant one of those churches in Indian Rocks Beach, Florida. Because that's you can well, Jeff, it's does, easy. Jeff speaks all around the country. Have him come down and, and uh, he can come help you guys. That'd be fun. Well, it's when you guys need a really beautiful winter place to come see. You guys can Great. spend a weekend in Indian Rocks Beach. <laughs> Perfect. That's right. Our door is open. Do, I, I might need it once a month. There you go. <laughs> but there you go. So... Explain to us, you're involved in a ministry called Walk the Way, and I know it's connected to the Q Place. Tell us about that and, and, and what that means. Well, Walk the Way was born during the church plant. Um, the first year of the church plant, we had full support from the, from the megachurch to plant this church, the full salary. At the end of that first year, like all good church plants, your salary is going to drop to two-thirds because they expect you're going to become more sustainable on your own. And so they cut our salary back by, by one-third. Well... We were coming up to the end of that first year. We had about 28 people in church, 22 of which had never given a dollar to a church in their lives. Mm. And we were like, wow, this could be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And so we started praying. I've been reading about King Asa in the Old Testament, how the Lord was pleased with him because he relied on God. And so we started to pray, and this radio ministry called and said, hey, we'd love to have you guys come talk to us about. Um, It's a radio ministry my wife would work for. They'd heard me preach at this big church, and so... We'd love to have you come talk about what would you would do in a, on the radio program if you were to come do one. So we did some test cases, all the while praying for God's provision. And basically, in the course of those conversations, realized that God was providing a, a tent-making job in the radio um, through Walked Away. So we started Walked Away Radio as a part of Jericho Road okay. back in 2006. And we started basically just telling stories of both our own attempts to walk the way of Jesus, as well as others that we met along the way as we did it. So... I don't know if my wife wants to add anything to that, but 
Go ahead, Pam. Yeah, no, I would say that's that's pretty much right, and and it's been an evolution and an expression, really. Almost, I consider it a daily discipline because the programs are different every day, and they're just one minute long. But it really has been a a wonderful way to reflect on what we see, what we notice, how we pray, what we've listened to, what we're learning, and really not to share with the world like experts, but to ask them questions and to have them enter into that process with us so, as the Lord has revealed us. So as you yeah. started this radio ministry while you're still at Jericho Road, and, and you've kind of moved into Q Place, which is really where we want to focus the rest of our time on, where, yeah. where because this engage, the art of the spiritual conversation is something everybody listening today really wants to know how to do, because everybody's sitting here listening, they're, they're, they're in some sort of workplace somewhere. Whether yeah. whether they're retired and their workplace happens to be in a volunteer spot, or whether they're at a stay-at-home mom and their workplace is at home with one of the toughest spots to work, or somebody in between, everybody wants to know how to engage in the art of the conversation. So where did Q Place come along? Well, Q Place stands for Question Place, and the goal of the ministry, the mission of the ministry, is to form spiritual conversation groups where we live, work, and play with people that believe differently. So the idea of a Q place is that we get three Christians together, we band together, we make a list of those who might, we might, might, might want to invite from our neighborhood, our workplace, or the places we go, and third spaces where we hang out, and we would invite them into a spiritual conversation. And we'd say, hey, do you want to have a conversation about God? It's going to be an ongoing conversation, and we'll just meet at our home or the coffee shop or wherever, and we'll have this conversation. So that's what Q places are. Um, they're basically spiritual conversation groups for those who might believe differently, and, and the hope is that we can get them into the Bible and get them eventually to understand who Jesus is. But it all happens through questions, not gospel presentations. So we're used to giving gospel presentations. This is more of an inductive kind of the way Jesus did it, walking alongside people until they come to a place where the where the Scripture reveals to them the truth about Jesus. Well, and everybody listens go, ooh, I, I want to hear more about this, because this is something that, you know, I don't know why it is, but as a church, a large church across the nation, we seem to have lost many of those arts of what the early church was all about. And Jesus was the expert at engaging people in conversation through question. And he was really good at answering questions with more questions, instead of, which was, that's, I'd rather do that. I need to learn that art. Instead of answering questions with what are you, stupid? Um, yeah. That's, that's not an effective method. Jeff and Pam, as you guys go into this ministry, what is the goal for Q Place? What, what's your goal, overarching goal for this? Well, our overarching goal is to mobilize Christians into having conversations with neighbors who believe differently, to get Christians mobilized into the Great Commission that Jesus gave us when he left the earth. So if you know the statistics, they're pretty sad. 97% of Christians will die never like, never having led anyone to Jesus or made any disciples. Um, they're just going to sit in church and do their church thing and never really engage their neighbors in any kind of spirit significant conversations about God. But so you're the goal of Q Place is you, to mobilize Christians into those. But, you, but you're talking—that's pretty freaky for a lot of people. <laughs> well, it is. It is. It's scary. And that's, and that's what we've done. We, as a Q Place, we've worked hard to take the freakiness out of it, to say, you can do this. This is doable evangelism. You don't have to be— an expert, you don't have to be Mr. Apologetics, you don't have to have all your you know, answers. What if you could just actually go into an, a conversation, ask good questions, be curious, and just maybe even say, I don't know. What if you told a non-Christian you didn't know? Wouldn't that be a shocker for a non-Christian to hear a Christian say, I don't know the answer, that's a great question. <laughs> so mm. so we, we've tried to make it doable, we've tried to make it less freaky. All right, so talk. let's talk about the arts 
of the art of spiritual conversation because I, I went through and did the spiritual conversation assessment, which is available out there in Q, Q place that you make available. So people can say, okay, they can rate themselves on how am I doing and engaging people in spiritual conversations, but not everybody has radio expertise at asking questions. Not everybody has I don't, my personality where I've just learned to be bold in my faith over 37 years of being a Christ follower. This assessment Talk to me about what what people will learn about themselves by going through the Q Place Spiritual Conversation Assessment. Yeah, so the nine arts of spiritual conversations were actually developed because we realized that most Christians didn't even know how to get to know their neighbors. Mm. Um, they didn't know how to mm-hmm. live in their neighborhood in a way that actually got to know their neighbors. And so, you know, could they notice their neighbors? Jesus didn't begin his ministry sharing gospel stuff. He noticed people. He recognized, he saw Zacchaeus in a tree. Saw that he was short and invited himself over to his house. He he noticed that the woman grabbed his garment and said, somebody touch me. What's going on? He's in a crowd of people. Then, you know, praying behind people's backs and listening to them and asking questions and welcoming people into our homes. And so when Pam and I first came upon a cute place, we realized that we were living this as a church planning couple, that our house was a place where the, the arts were being lived. We knew our neighbors. We invited our doors open. We invited people in, and we knew, had all these relationships in our neighborhood. And we were the presence of Christ in those people's lives. So Q-Place, the, the Arts of Spiritual Conversation, is kind of like not a program. It's something you do as you go along. I, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is when Jesus, it says in John 9, 1, as Jesus went along, he noticed the man born blind from birth, and he turned aside to, to look to him and talk mm-hmm. to him, and he, and he eventually healed him. So, so like, as we go along, we're all going to go. We're all going to go to work. We're all going to go to school. We're all going to go play. We're all going to go to the movies. As we go along... What if we can just learn to be intentional about the way we treat other people around us? Pam, when you look at the nine arts of spiritual mm-hmm. conversation, which which one do you tend to lean to mm, that comes most natural? <laughs> I, I think Jeff would agree that I'm a noticer. I mean, maybe maybe even to the degree that it drives our four kids crazy because I'm noticing a filthy house, I'm noticing the laundry baskets that didn't get put away, you know, but I, I notice <laughs> things, and I, and I, so I... Yeah, I think noticing someone when I'm online at the grocery store or noticing a person when we're all in a rush and we're passing each other, but you can just see a moment of sadness. I was in Target one day, and I saw the cashier who was just being so wonderfully delightful and making such amazing conversation with with my older son. And it really meant a lot to me, and I said something to her, and I let her know that I had noticed that, that a number of times that we'd come through Target She's always had something kind to say and always had something beautiful to say. And she burst into tears. One little comment to her about what I had noticed about her in the past brought her to tears right there in the line. And even right there in the line, we had a chance to talk about what was upsetting her that day. And the woman standing behind us in line was super understandable and almost, I don't know, did she feel like she was invading a private moment? (laughs) But I, I kind of included her and let her know that, you know, hey, we're all in this together. And, and then I went back to her later with a little note. I'd gone home, unloaded my things, and then just went back and handed her a note and saying, you know, if you ever want to talk again, just give me a buzz or just at least know that I'm praying for you. And, and now when she sees me, she recognizes me. Oh, thank you for that note, she says. And, and it wasn't about that at all, but it was about the fact that I don't know what to do except something. 
when the Lord has prompted me to notice someone. That's and so. that's where I go back to the beginning of why I'm grateful for the being available and being flexible and yeah. having the life of a freelancer, because maybe one could argue that I have a little bit more, you know, room in my day to allow those things to happen because, um, but I think it's also a choice. So um, I'm grateful for the grace that the Lord has given me to notice and to be willing to take moments to listen. Um, It doesn't come naturally, right? It doesn't come naturally. Right. And that's so powerful because in our culture today, a lot of people do things that go unnoticed. So, Mm -hmm. so help me and our listeners to understand if that is one of the arts of spiritual conversation is then the goal then to, to use that as a witnessing tool. Exactly. What if it counted? What if evangelism counted if you just notice people and pray for them? What if it, what if it started there? Mm-hmm. And what if that became the beginning of a relationship that might lead to one of these Q-Place conversations that we're talking about? Okay. So we basically say to Christians, you know, what if you could learn to be a safe place where people could approach you and tell you their story, and you didn't act shocked or react like you were going to judge them, but they, you were just a safe place like Jesus was. You know, it's funny— Jesus was the most holy man ever to live, and non-Christians were attracted to him. Right. A lot of Christians, we repel non-Christians for some reason. Yes. So our holiness is a little different. So, well, we, so we just sort of—yeah, go ahead. Well, we, we have unfortunately gained this reputation that um, makes people think that, that we are going to be forceful and exactly. rude or whatever it is, and how sad that is. So I love this concept of just taking— uh, the the way that we can pers- you know enter into any situation with somebody and be able to um, gently lead them to Jesus. So if somebody were to do the spiritual assessment, Jim, you started talking about it that you downloaded yeah. it, and I thought I was going to be able to do it online, and I I didn't realize I had to wait for the email, so I didn't get mine done <laughs> yet. I I didn't do my homework. Okay. I'll do it later. But what is if we had our listeners go to your website and and request that assessment, then they're going to learn where their strengths are? Is that what they're going to learn? or Right, and where their weaknesses are. So, so again, you know, it's interesting. A lot of times in life, these kind of skills, we train our kids in baseball how to swing a bat. We train our kids how to do schoolwork. But do we train ourselves to actually live this missional life out in the world? And mm-hmm. so we believe at Q-Place that we can actually teach Christians, train them in this way of life, like Jesus said in Matthew 28, right? And that we can actually learn to be noticers and listeners and good question askers and welcomers. And so if you take the assessment, we'll give you a score and we'll show you kind of your readiness in these various areas. And then you can turn around and say, huh, I need to work on this listening piece. Now, if you talk to my wife, she'll tell you that that's my lowest one. I don't need to take the assessment. She would just give me that grade right away. <laughs> so, uh, she would give me the assessment for me. But, but you know, we all need to work on these things. Yes. And what if we could actually yeah. be very intentional about getting better at these skills? And we're talking today with Jeff and Pam Klein from Q Place. And you can find out more about this ministry online and how you can get a Q Place started near you at qplace.com, Q place.com. That's really my question. We're talking about the, these arts of spiritual conversation, noticing, praying, listening, 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 asking <laughs> questions, not telling people stuff, loving, welcoming, facilitating, serving together and sharing. Jeff, how can the people listening today to the show, how can they get a Q play started here? 
Well, we offer at Place video training and how to start a Place. And so we actually, uh, our training, our new, newest training calls will start in January. And if you're interested in that, go to qplace.com and just go on there and click the info link and send in your information and we'll get you hooked into a video training call. We have we have women on those calls who have started 20-plus Q places and have led dozens of people to Jesus. They're ordinary mm-hmm. housewives. They're ordinary nurses. They're ordinary uh, workers. Um, people all over the country are starting these groups and having amazing things happen in their living rooms. And I, I just talked to a pastor last week who started his group, and he told me, Klein, this is the best thing I've done in 30 years of ministry. I'm having the most rich conversations in my living room with my Jewish neighbor, my angry Catholic neighbor, my atheist neighbor. It's unbelievable what's happening. Mm. And so I believe, you know, that these groups are transformational for both the Christians and the non-Christians who who join them. And so really, they're easy to start, and we'd be happy to teach you how to do it if you just get in touch. So let me go back to this assessment. So if you learn that you are not very good at... Um, asking questions, for instance. I didn't want to pick on listening since I didn't want to make it sound like I was picking on you, Jeff. But it, say, say the assessment says, I am not very good at asking questions. Does it then teach me how to get better at that? Or is there a resource or something to help me in that area? Well, I yeah. can answer to a little bit. Well, one of the things that I've um, been helping the ministry, Q Place Ministry, out with uh, is their blog on q.qplace.com. And that's a weekly, three times a week, blog postings referring to the and, and referencing back to the different arts of spiritual conversations. And so without, I mean, Jeff can speak more to the specific pathway that a person can go through, but I just love that blog resource because not only is it educational, it's also story-oriented, so in that way you can access some great material on perhaps something that you've discovered about the assessment regarding where you where you might be weak or stronger. Okay. Well, and this doesn't require an educational degree. It doesn't require yeah. a seminary no. degree. This is for no. us, us average Christ followers right. who just want to make an impact. We can be trained to have these intentional conversations. Exactly. So in fact, we've written, we've written uh, there's a book by Tyndale called The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations. You can get that. They get on Amazon, you get through Q Place. There's also training modules that we've written for the church to use in small groups, for you to use as an individual Christian. So let's say you find out you're bad at asking questions. Well, we've got four modules written on how to get better at asking questions, and you can get those, and you could read those or study those with a group of people, and you could practice together getting better at asking questions and being curious about your neighbors and people that live around you. But the key to what you've said is that we don't have to go that deep in order, we don't want to get lost in the weeds with with that. The whole idea is that this is a very simple approach so that people don't keep making excuses and they actually do something. Is that a fair assessment? That's exactly right, Martha. This is supposed to be, this is as easy as can be. I mean, if you sit out in your front yard, anyone can do this, mm-hmm. and just look around your neighbors. Just pay attention. What's right. going on in your neighborhood? What's, or sit in your cubicle at the office and pay attention to the people around you. Right. I mean, Jesus has put people all around us, and we're not even tuned in. We're, like, tuned out. We're just kind of 
you living are, our own lives, right? So you are we so just right. Learn to do that? There are you know. so many people that we have talked to over the years that don't even know their next door neighbor, that don't yeah. even exactly. know what their work schedule is or when they're home, you know, which just from a safety standpoint of, of, right. of any knowledge or in an emergency, <laughs> don't even know to go knock on their door because they don't know their name. And so I think you're so right to just be aware of those around you to be able to start the conversation. So Pam, I wanted to ask, you had talked about the blog. I saw that on the Q Place website, right, where they can yeah. sign up to receive that blog. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our mm-hmm. listeners can go to qplace dot org. No, Okay, perfect. Qplace.com. Qplace.com. Learning the arts of spiritual conversation so you can engage those around you who don't necessarily believe what you believe. All right, so. I guess I really just, for everybody just tuning in right now, Jeff and Pam, they're going, wait a minute, how do I do this? How do I get started in this process? I really want to make an impact. It freaks me out to have conversations <laughs> with people that don't believe what I believe. So how do, we, I, how do we do this? Well, the first thing you do is you got to go hang out in spaces where people that don't believe what you believe are. So, so well, and maybe you could just... And maybe you could just, I'm sorry, honey, I'm interrupting you. As you yeah. well, See, that's the first time I did that. Isn't that pretty good? You guys did great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was actually going to say similar to what Jeff did, just not even go hang out where non-Christians are, just step outside your door, right? Like, Martha, you indicated so mm-hmm. many of us don't even know our neighbors who are down the hall or across the street or right next door. You know, we have opportunities every single day to just, chat with someone at, while we're waiting to pick up our kids at school or on the soccer sidelines. So our hanging out is just going to say in public spaces isn't necessarily out of the stream of our normal activity of life. So We find okay. that we're, enabled, we're, we're able to engage our neighbors in conversation just by being outside. You know, we've got yeah. a lot of neighbors yeah. that don't believe the way we believe, but we can engage them in phenomenal conversations just when we're out washing our cars. Now, we live in a townhouse yeah. neighborhood, so we live very close to people. But, you know, and also having potlucks. Everybody wants to gather over food. Yeah. And we've mm-hmm. caused controversy in our neighborhood by praying over meals, things like that. But having conversations with people, it, it's loving on your neighbors. It gives you an opportunity to share with them. I mean, and, and it's it's cool. But this intentionality yeah. that you're driving with Q Place, that's an intentionality that all of us need to really work on every day, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, and if you think about it, food is uh, non-controversial. Most people can agree to sit around the table and eat food, so it's awesome. You, have, you know, if you could be the leader in your community and get your neighbors together at your house, open your door, throw, throw a potluck or a meal or a picnic. Have them all over. So taking We've done this many times. Taking this so. back to the workplace with our our listeners, one of the things yeah. that I, you know, we are neck to neck, shoulder to shoulder, cubicle to cubicle with so many people every day. Being able to pay attention to them and maybe start a Q place with some of our coworkers would be mm-hmm. revolutionary for some people. Yeah, we have uh, we have some people in Detroit. The navigators in Detroit have ten workplace groups going. Uh, right here in McDonald's Corporation in Chicago, we have another guy who's led a workplace group for 10 years right during lunch in the workplace mm-hmm. with all kinds of different people. Just by, again, paying attention, building friendships, building relationships, and then making an intentional invite to a group where we can talk about these things respectfully with each other. So the workplace is a great place to do this stuff. 
It is what an opportunity you have provided people. Because this is something we've been looking for. We're looking for how do we train people that are in the weeds? Not necessarily people that are business leaders, not necessarily people that are business owners or CEOs or president, but how about the people in the middle of the organization? How can they intentionally engage those they work alongside in conversations to drive them to having opportunities to share what Christ has done in their lives. And QPlace really provides that. QPlace.com, having that spiritual conversations assessment is a great place to start, isn't it? It is. It is. You start there to see how ready you are, and then maybe you get better. at just, you know, sometimes it's just about being a person and just caring about those other people as people before we consider them to be kind of our evangelism target. I think Jesus actually cared about them as people first, and then when he kind of let them know that he really cared about them and earned the right to be heard, then he actually entered into those other conversations. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Well, and, we'll yeah, and, and, may, and maybe today's climate is just so, so hostile or perceived as so difficult by so many people that there's just fear to not step out and, and love somebody, right. get to know them. Well, I, and, yeah. and a lot of that hostility is the media saying there's hostility. I, there's not near as much hostility out there as people think there is because the media makes it sound so much worse than it really is all right so here's the deal we're out of time but i really want to bring you guys back i want to get a copy of that book that was written and i want to bring you guys back so we can really dig deep into these nine arts of spiritual conversation we got to finish this conversation or continue it in 2017 are you guys willing to do that that'd be great that sounds good and we'll come down to tampa we'll come down to tampa anytime oh we love (laughs) we love that all right thanks to jeff and pam klein for being on here from q place thanks guys all right thanks guys thank you all right, you know, you heard the conversation. Go out to qplace.com. Do your spiritual conversations assessment. See how you're doing in engaging people in spiritual conversations. And what can you work on? qplace.com. That's qplace.com. Thanks for listening to I Work For Him today. We're your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace is our mission field. And I, I work, work for, for him. him.